Hello, and thank you for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Masha. And Andy. And this week, we're talking about Memoirs of a Geisha. Taking place in pre-World War II Japan, Memoirs of a Geisha is a story of a young girl from a fishing village who's sold to a geisha house. We follow her journey as she transforms from slave girl to the, being the most celebrated geisha in Japan. I'm pretty proud of that. It was pretty good. You, you <laughs> nailed down a long one. <laughs> so this movie came out in 2005. I cannot believe that it was rated PG-13, but it is. Yeah. The first half was a lot more like shocking of like graphic stuff. And then I was like, fuck, is this like, this is a hardcore PG-13. But uh, I have thoughts about that, but we'll talk about Ooh, it. Ooh, yeah, yeah. okay. Well, um, I'll just give the the brief facts. It had a budget of $85 million, uh-huh. and it made 162 in the box office. Ooh. And it's based on a book by Arthur Golden, published in 1997. Oh, wow. So it wasn't even that old of a book. It wasn't. Yeah. And the author is a white guy, if you could not tell by the name. Oh, <laughs> uh, of the book? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Okay, so this isn't none of this is true. No, so I guess that I wasn't sure of. I, w- like, I wasn't sure if it was like slightly based off of true. Yeah, I'll dig into it a little bit oh, here. Wow, so. that makes it way crazy. Cause I'm like, I because I knew I, when I saw Rob Marshall directed it, I was like, all right, well, this is obviously not direct. This is like directed by a white guy, right? But I assumed always the book or the source was going to be like. Yeah. Okay, I kind of assumed this was a true story and that this was like... Well, it has elements of true stories in it. So well, it's Ar- got the word memoir in it. Like, yeah. That's kind of fucked up. This guy did a lot of like research. <laughs> it's like finding out the diary of Anne Frank was fiction. It's uh, like, it's got the word diary in yeah. it. Like a memoir is like... <laughs> it's kind of misleading. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he did like interview like a lot of people. Um, but most notably, um, he did interview an actual geisha named um, Mineko Iwasaki. Nice pronunciation. Oh, thank you. I'm going to fuck up pronunciation all day today. Just so you know. <laughs> and the audience knows. I'm sorry. Oh, man. I'm a oh. white man. Don't, don't, don't cancel me. White man. I'm a white man. <laughs> um but yeah he he interviewed a re- um her she was a retired geisha who he interviewed you know for background information while he was writing the novel and so what inspired this guy to write a book about geisha? <laughs> that's what's why like i'm like i always just assumed it was a, a real book like based I, like a geisha wrote it and then they were like let's make this a movie i who the fuck just like i didn't dig in too much about like what drew him to that so I'm not really sure. Sorry, guys. But like, yeah, it is it is very strange. And what ended up happening was she ended up suing him because, you know, in their conversation, she ended up telling some like personal stories uh-huh. of her experience and he ended up altering it and then putting it in his book. And like, you know, she shared a lot of things and then she was credited in the book as like a source and so within her community like in japan and in the geisha community a lot of them turned their backs to her and Ah, she was like so she uh, faced a lot of backlash too it's like mafia people giving away mafia secrets to to screenwriters exactly the geisha version yeah or uh or martial arts secrets you know (laughs) like like some some people shunned bruce lee for for doing things on camera that weren't supposed to be like shared with the world oh yeah not not a lot of people but you know there were certain communities he was probably i'm pretty sure he was ostracized from damn um but yeah she was not happy and you know like i guess there's a lot of like traditional code of silence like with geishas and their clients so like 
some of the specific specific oh jesus specific fuck <laughs> <laughs> specificities specificities <laughs> jesus that was, was hard <laughs> <clears throat> i bore full confidence forward and then i just <laughs> faltered i was like <laughs> just to wrap that part of the story up you know they settled out of court because she ended up suing him yeah. and then she ended up writing her own autobiography called geisha a life so i'm I've never read memoirs of a geisha, but I'd be, I'd definitely be down to read Geisha Alive. Damn, that sucks because like nobody knows. I never no, heard yeah, of Geisha. No, I, I, I don't know shit about geishas. Never saw this movie until you showed it to me, and I've always known about memoirs of a geisha. Like, right. It's just, a, it's a thing that's out there, you know. Yeah, I, I can't believe like I, I knew like, I knew that the author of the book was white, and like, I knew it was kind of weird that this movie that takes place in Japan is about Japanese culture was cast by majority Chinese cast, you know? Like, oh, there yeah, was, like, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of, like... Oh, I mean, it's so funny because, like, it doesn't feel like that long ago. You know, like, ah, 2005. Yeah. In reality, it was fucking, what, 12 years ago? I can't no. do math. Wait, no, Way more 10. Than that. No, like, six, 17, no. 10 is... Uh, uh, 15. 20, yeah, 17, 20... 17, 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Because, you know, you think, you know, you're like, oh, it wasn't that long ago. Like, you know, yeah. we were watching Spider-Man movies and shit just like we are today. <laughs> so everything's the same. But uh, but even, like, the fact that everyone just speaks English and that's, like, normal in this uh, movie, like, yes. that wouldn't really happen anymore. We would, like, we'd all be able to be like, guys, we could we could throw it in the native language and watch some subtitles. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, like Roma could win Best Picture and it doesn't need to be, like, dubbed in English, you oh know? Oh, like, totally true. Like, th that was one thing where, like, there's a lot about this movie I liked a lot, but that was one thing <laughs> I just couldn't get over where I was like, it's just so fucking weird that they're speaking english and then the the english part threw me off for most of the movie because it was just kind of weird but then when they actually introduced english speaking characters and americans into the movie then it just made my brain explode yeah <laughs> because they're speaking english back and forth and they can understand each other but then she's teaching them japanese words like i don't think it's arigato but like there's a couple of japanese words where she's like showing them right and i was just like wait a minute so what is she speaking what the fuck right. like, it just it made it was just like, goddamn fucking us ignorant assholes in 2005 in America where we just like, you know, know. I'm sure it would have made less money if it wasn't in English. So I get why they did it. But it's like annoying. Yeah, it is really annoying. I remember having that thought, too. I'm like, wait, so they're not speaking Japanese in Japan? Yeah, it's just <laughs> okay. so funny because obviously um, it's we weren't getting that much mainstream kind of like eastern movies yet at that time like we already had crouching tiger which was a big kind of opening step to it right but um you can definitely see the difference of like when we would import a movie like crouching tiger or hero versus like making one here where it just right. doesn't have that same authentic like yeah it just kind of feels like an interpretation <laughs> you know i know well there's definitely a lot to to dig into here i mean and one last thing off that note i mean one of the actresses even the one who plays hatsumomo uh -huh. gong lee um and hatsumomo is basically the when um sayuri comes into the geisha house hatsumomo is the geisha yeah, like the mean one yeah the mean one yeah, yeah. uh she a oh, full disclosure to everybody i have the cast list in front of me because <laughs> i don't remember anyone's names so I, I as soon as i looked down i was like hatsumomo i remember for the audience for the audience i actually have it too yeah, just because yeah. I was, the whole movie ended and i was like i don't know the geisha's name <laughs> and i was like fuck because they change it halfway through. I know. So I'm like, I, I, I didn't know the first name, let alone the second name. Yeah. But I got it. Um, but that actress, Sayuri. she does not speak English. And she 
learned her lines phonetically for this movie. That's insane. And she actually, like, that's how she prefers to do it. Like, she was in the most recent live-action Mulan. Oh, really? Like, she was the witch. Uh-huh. Um, which I didn't even, like, it didn't even click to me until I was like, dang, she really, really would have been great as, like, a live-action um, freaking, what's her name, Azula? Oh, oh, that's all I thought the whole time from Avatar. <laughs> the whole time I was like, damn, she would have killed it. <laughs> It was only five years away, like the movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, actually, to be fair, she wasn't in the movie, though, because it was book one. So oh, she's, right, right. she's only in the very end as the cliffhanger, and then the movie sucks, so they didn't make any sequels. Uh, yeah. So to be fair, yeah, they didn't actually. Uh, but like, I'm just thinking, like, yeah, she's in these movies, and when she has to speak English, she learns them. She learns her lines phonetically. That's wild. Yeah, it's freaking crazy. But, that would be um, so hard to do. I know. And then just as an actress, like putting um, emotion. Your emotion behind yeah, it. Yeah, because you're not just like learning. It's not just like you're like reciting it. You're like, <laughs> you gotta. That's wild. Yeah. Well, what a backwards ass world. It's like. You're... <laughs> um, Wait, so can who, we... Do you know who was actually Japanese out of everybody? Because I'm. Pretty yes. Nice. Michelle Yeoh is not. Michelle Yeoh is not. Um, so Ken the, Watanabe is or is the general Ken Wat- Watanabe yeah. is j- Japanese. He's the one. He's the actor I know the most. Oh yeah. Like, out of this, yeah, yeah. Oh nice. He's in everything. Oh, you know, I always used to confuse him. Like for the longest time, I him, I thought him and the guy from Crouching Tiger was the same guy. Chow Yun Fat. Yeah, they from look your, very from similar. From your favorite fucking movie, Bullet from, from I know. <laughs> I was like, man, he looks a little different in this movie, but like, Ken, <laughs> like as a kid, Ken Watanabe's in the he's in like the the recent Godzilla movies. And oh, he, he's the one. He's like oh. the famous guy who says, "Let them fight." He's like the Japanese tie because you know Godzilla's Japanese, but it's like so he's like. They gave the famous Japanese actor the oh, famous line. Oh, I see, I see it. It's the famous Japanese movie, you know? But no, Ken Watanabe's in everything. Like, he's in, like, big, big, like, he's in the Transformers movies. Yeah. Um, uh, Batman, he was in Batman Begins and Inception. Aww. So, like, he's a Christopher Nolan guy. So, yeah, he's very famous. Oh, I'm glad he's working. And Michelle Yeoh, obviously, I know her very well, too. But uh, I, I don't know if I caught anyone else. Right. So I hope my I hope my face blindness doesn't come off as just like <laughs> sheer racist ignorance, or I'm just gonna be like they look the same. No. But like, there's a lot of people dressing the same. I'll, and I'll a lot have... of a lot of fucking people who have names and titles, and I don't understand the difference <laughs> in the titles. So I have to remember who the chairman is versus the baron versus the the von <laughs> fucking minister or whatever. And I'm just like, I uh, <laughs> like was was Biden over the the chairman or was he? You know, it was tough. Yeah. It was tough for me. So I'll actually take a step back here and uh, just run down through the cast. So it's starring. And I, I'm so sorry for the mispronunciation. Uh, Z- Zhang Zi. Oh, God. I feel like I didn't say that right. No. How do you I say mean, it? I don't know, but I didn't say <laughs> right. You don't know when you said no. Well, I give you credit. You said it properly in the correct order, right? I hope so. On on uh, on on Wikipedia, it's the other way around. Oh wait, no, the Chinese do it backwards. Yeah, right? not the Japanese. Yeah, the Chinese do it backwards, but not Japanese. No. Oh, I, I see Zi Zhang on on Wikipedia. Okay. You saw Zhang Ji. Yeah. Weird. Okay. And then we one have, of those two. Yeah. Um. And then Michelle. It's also starring Michelle Yeoh, Ken Watanabe, Gong Li, and it's narrated by uh, Shizuko Hoshi, who is Japanese. And you'd like this. In real life, she's married to Mako Iwamatsu. Is that the Mako? The Mako that voices yeah. King Iroh? Yeah, yeah. Yes. King Iroh. Oh, King Iroh. Jesus. Why does Iroh it King is Iroh? Not a king. He's <laughs> That's a, so weird. He's a humble tea drinking uncle, first God of all. God damn it. I don't know why I said King Iroh. He, he was a general at one point, but he walked away from that life. He, he's a simple man. <laughs> <laughs> king Iroh. That's like the most 
opposite of what Iros stands for. Like, he would never want to be a God king. God damn it. I don't know. Uh, and the Fire Nation has uh, lords. <laughs> my pleasure. Sharing tea with a fascinating stranger is one of life's true delights. So, anyway. This is an Avatar podcast. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh snap! I didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mako's mad. Fa- he's famous for a lot of things too. He's not just Iro. Like, right. Well, you recognize him at the top of this movie, right? No. He was the father. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I don't really know what he looks like that much. I only know his voice. Oh, he's a whoa. voice actor mostly. I mean, I know him from his very famous but tragic role in Bulletproof Monk oh, as yeah. the movie theater owner. Oh, who could forget? Yeah. Who could ever forget that, <laughs> that classic role? Right I behind mean, Iroh. I mean, his number one is playing Splinter in 2007's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, that, wow. was, that was his final role before he died. Whoa. <laughs> That's crazy. Master Splinter. Oh, <laughs> But yeah, he um, he's in the movie as the two girls' father in the beginning of the movie. Very brief. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, his wife is the narrator of ah, this movie. Cool. So like the older geisha yeah. telling the story. Um, and then uh, just to give some more background on the film, um, we touched on it a little bit, but this is directed by Rob Marshall. I don't know if you are familiar with his work. Uh, I th- think so. I know I saw that in the trailer that he made Chicago. Yeah. I know his name, but I need to be reminded of his filmography. I yeah. I mean, it, honestly, I don't think you would know too much because it's like really a lot of musicals. Like he's he's a Tony Award winner. He's a choreographer choreographer as well like i didn't know he choreographed chicago and yeah. on top of directing it which i think is like crazy yeah. like it's pretty Where, good how do you feel about chicago i i liked it i more revisit like scenes i don't really like watch it yeah. all the way through i don't know i'm not like a big chicago head oh, okay but I, I love he had it coming i've never seen it but uh oh yeah you, you showed me that he yeah. had it coming but I, we watched it once in one of my film classes to show how editing has changed Mm-hmm. And like we watched like classic uh, like Fred Astaire shit from the fifties, and then we watched Chicago, and they were like, "You notice how the camera cuts every three seconds?" And like, mm-hmm. like the teacher really just shit on Chicago. And <laughs> I was like young enough to just be like, "Oh my god, he's right, it's stupid." Ah! So I, I never watched That's it. That's hilarious. But, uh, but you know, I always rail against that in fight scenes. I hate overcutting, so I kind of feel the same way about dance scenes. Like, mm, yeah, they, they trained really hard. Like, they did, yeah. But yeah, he and like most recently, he did the Mary Poppins Returns. And he's doing this like upcoming Little Mermaid, I believe. Uh, but um, yeah, not so too Disney much. Disney got their paws on him. I guess so. Um, but well, this movie—he's he's done being creative. <laughs> yeah. Oh, burn! <laughs> I agreed with it before I even acknowledged that. Fucking Disney. Uh, <laughs> but this movie was originally going to be produ- uh, directed by Steve Steven Spielberg. Oh. But he ended up being just a producer on it yeah yeah i saw his name on it <laughs> just a producer yeah <laughs> that would it would make almost more sense for spielberg because i just feel like he does this like you know he made amistad he made color purple like he he loves history and he loves like you know he like shit like that so he made war horse like he loves to dive into mm. all different histories not just like american history yeah so I think that's uh, that, that would have like made sense to me in his filmography, you know? Right. Because on some paper, if you were like, if you found if you saw if you just saw the color purple, and then someone later was like, "That's the guy who made ET," you'd be like, "Really?" Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like Steven because of what he did for Whoopi's career. <laughs> Even though you never watched it. Yeah, I'm never going to. Oh, you know they're remaking it. Oh, Ew. that's a whole conversation. What? Why? Yeah, starring Fantasia and Danielle Brooks. I feel like they're gonna they're not gonna have the guts to make it how fucked up it needs to be i but who's asking for it we're in an 
effed up world. I've right actually now. never seen it either because I read it as my twelfth grade term paper book. Whoa. Like we got to pick whatever book we wanted off a list. Yeah, and I remember I picked Jeez. that. Um, the book was so fucked up. I was just like, I know the movie's not going to be as fucked up, but like yeah. I, don't, I, I can't even really watch this movie, so I've never seen the movie either. Mm-mm. But I read the book. You won't hear it from me. The book is wild. Yeah, I don't want it. I think my uh, my highlighter notes are still in there and shit. Oh, I wonder, like, from when I was 18, I'd just be like, oh. I just don't understand, like, who's asking for misery. And, like, is it like. Funny of people. But, like, in these times, you uh, know. We just had that Harriet Tubman movie, like, last year. Yes. Doesn't make sense to me. I'm saying people. Are, people. I don't think people who they're testing in the Midwest are interested in the color. Pr- like, I just don't. I don't know who's asking for they it. It might be. Roots was huge in the 70s. White people loved Roots. I guess feel so. Better. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's all about making us feel better. All right? <laughs> yeah, we had a hard history. We, re- we feel real bad about it. And we need, we, need, we need you to alleviate our guilt, please. Right. That's that's the important yes, thing. Black History Month. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that was really funny. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely blew out the mic on that one. I tried to pull away. (laughs) Uh, You'll love this. This movie was scored by John Williams. And, you know, I've always appreciated the score, but after hearing that, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, once you found that as your your Harry Potter man. He, like, asked to, to score this movie. Like, this is notably the first time he's asked to score something yeah and he brought on like yo yo ma to do the cello and um this very famous violinist uh i can't really pronounce his name so i'm not i just know you're fabulous uh i oh wait no sorry no it's isaac perlman it's not that hard (laughs) fabulous but yeah he john williams passed on scoring the fourth harry potter movie in favor of scoring this film that's probably a smart move Oh, yeah. I think it's, I mean, you it already, was a couple of five. I know, but he's already, like, made the iconic Harry Potter songs. Like, you uh, know what I mean? Like, the odds of him, like, topping that, you know what that's I mean? That's true. Um, I will say for those of you listeners who are interested in, like, scores, there's a really cool featurette I found on YouTube of the music behind Memoirs of a Geisha because they really go into detail on how the different instruments represented the different characters. So, like, of course, like, each character has their own theme, Mm -hmm. but they really went into detail on, like, how the cello represented Sayuri and the violin represented the chairman. Oh, I love shit like that. And then, like, how, like, when they came together, how that would affect the music like instruments would blend and stuff oh, it's so freaking that's great. pretty cool yeah, yeah. yeah that's awesome and then like e- even and i'm not going to remember it when we get to this part because we might not even touch touch on it but when sayuri meets the chairman for the first time it's a very like hopeful moment for her it's the first time she's like happy yeah <laughs> in a long time so when she's running through with all that hope and happiness it's the violin that's carrying the cello through and like leading the cello. That's awesome. It's just so freaking yeah, beautiful. Yeah, that's pretty great. And then just to wrap this part up, this movie, obviously, like it screams awards, right? Yeah. So, like, oh, yeah. This is like. It won three uh, Academy Awards. It won Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography and Best Costume Design. Fuck, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I will say like that was I was mostly impressed by just the production value of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's. Because we're, we're living in an age of just, like, more content and everything's a little bit smaller. And as half of it's COVID, half of it's we just have too many things that, like, you know, we can't invest tons of money in a lot of movies unless they're superheroes because that guarantees our money back. And even that, everything's green screen, so it doesn't quite look yeah. beautiful anymore. Yeah. So, like, you just forget, like, sweeping 
beautiful shots. Like they were just like flying over the landscapes early on in this. And I was like, oh yeah, big movie. Like, I forgot. <laughs> like, like big doesn't need to mean laser beams. Like it could, it could be just like yes. breathtaking. You know what I mean? Like, and I was just like, oh yeah. Like it, like it started, I was like, oh yeah, this Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, like even ones I don't even like love. Like I don't really even like The Last Samurai, but like it's pretty good looking. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you're just like, they fucking are killing this shit. Like yeah. we were just flying helicopters all over the goddamn planet and getting beautiful shots. Right. Like, that's why I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood so much because Tarantino actually did it. Like, he spent the time and money to fully transform, like, oh, everything cool. to look correct. Like, like characters would drive for, like, two miles and, like, there would just be two miles worth of, like, converted storefronts. Jesus. And shit like that. So, like, that always blows my that's mind. That's expensive. So, that's how I felt with this where I was just watching it. I was like, fuck, it looks so, like, quote-unquote authentic. Like, yeah. I, and obviously I haven't been there, so I don't know. But, like, it's just, like, I'm, I, I, I feel like I live in this world. Like, Well, I will say the costume designer, like, she had a crew making kimonos, like, custom kimonos. Like, yeah. they didn't follow every... Because it takes years to make a kimono. Uh-huh. But they, like, sort of, like, shorten the schedule and everything but like they made that you know like all and then each one is authentic to each character they just really went into it yeah yeah i was uh, this is a very like visually impressive movie yeah it is it is weird because like it's just it's such a beautiful movie and i don't want to discredit all the hard work and everything but like it does kind of suck that like the representation behind the camera is not really like, yeah yeah aligning. i mean yeah but you got we gotta remember this. i know not, it's 2005, it's 2005. like it's either that happens or this movie does not get made right like, you know what i mean like they're not we're not in that world of today where you know you could be like hashtag fucking Geisha so Chinese, you know, like whatever. Like, Geisha <laughs> so Chinese. Like whatever the That's hell. That's a great hashtag. Whatever maybe. the hashtag. Not long at all. <laughs> it was Geisha so white all of a sudden. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it is funny. But like, I, I think it's kind of, you kind of have to be like, we're getting what we're getting. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of like when you're watching a movie from like the 50s and it has like a decent portrayal of a black person. Like it might not be the best, but you're like, yo, it's better than like nothing like you know like yeah. like you know like you have to like take your take your strides for the year you're in you know what i mean like i guess like i don't know i just feel like we weren't getting well uh i, I also mean, feel like this wouldn't even been greenlit if crouching tiger wasn't like the biggest movie oh geez oh my god yeah world. let's touch on that yeah because... it's like half the cast is here yeah yeah um... <laughs> hence the chinese representation <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably didn't even know. I met Rob Marshall and all them. We're just like, yeah, bring them in. Like, like you know, we're Chinese. Like, I didn't, and I don't uh, think anyone else will either. So Get apparently, they did. So they did get criticized for like not. They're like, oh, you didn't even try to like bring in Japanese actors or yeah, actresses. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we tried. Like, hardly anyone would come to the casting call, which I find hard to believe. Like, I yeah. don't know where I, I forget it what article con- said that. Convenient. Yeah, um, especially so, since the other people you got are stars. So it's right. like, like I'm sure you got some Japanese people. They just weren't Ken Watanabe and Michelle Yeoh. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> I will say though, like the lead Ziyi Zhang mm-hmm. did face a ton of backlash, like for being in this film. Uh huh. The Chinese government was like, "This is a betrayal," because like I guess ch- the Chinese and Japanese governments at this time, like for this when this movie was getting made, were not on good terms. Yeah, I mean they weren't on good terms for 
most of history. Right. So <laughs> it's it's like, yeah, yeah, they have a, at this time. Um, it doesn't help that I'm reading Flyboys right now. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I know exactly what the Japanese <laughs> are doing to the Chinese in the early. Like, yeah. When this movie took place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like the Chinese people were like, oh, like, how dare you be betray your country and like be a part of this and blah, blah, blah. And then the Japanese were like, how dare you take this role? Oh, like, bummer. But it's so funny because apparently like the Japanese were like all on her, like for taking on a Japanese character yeah. and then the Chinese government like were even worse to her and then the Japanese kind of backed off uh, like they were like oh she's dealing with enough it's fine <laughs> well it's like the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend or whatever, you know so they're like well if we hate the Chinese and they hate her we're gonna get her on our team you know <laughs> But that's wild. I actually don't know much about J- Japanese and Chinese relations in 2005. So, you know, and I was like, oh, they've always hated each other. I was talking more about the past. I actually have well, no fucking idea right. where we were at economically <laughs> in 05 with those two. I feel like we were so in- engulfed in, like, America and Middle East that, like, you forget right. about Asia during those years. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, 2005 was like, you know, Bush, War on Terror. So, uh, it, this d- movie did end up getting banned in China, I Yeah. Mention. What else? <laughs> what else is new? Um, <laughs> but uh, do you want to guess the Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. I'm going to say, like, uh, 79 critics, 75 audience. All right, so audience score was 83. All right. Critic score is 35%. Whoa, <laughs> damn. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, really? It was very interesting looking through some of the critiques. A lot of it really... Is it a lot about the race stuff or is it about the movie? So a lot of it is actually like it being like less nuanced than the source material. So like, I mean, I could see that, but... It takes place over like forty fucking years. Like it's yeah. They're like, like this is like a very simplistic like soap opera basically. Yeah. And I I never really looked at it this way. But like one of the critiques was like Marshall glamorized Marshall's glamorized take on sexual slavery. Imagine Sayuri as a kind of rice powdered pretty woman anxious to learn the art of walking on high heels and pleasing a man so that she can win the love of a rich man she met as a little girl. Sounds like some punk ass who wrote that <laughs> in 2005. Like, you go live in 1921 and right. get sold by your family at eight and tell, you know, you go tell that little girl, like, oh, you shouldn't have right. the dream. Like, it's her only way out. She doesn't have any other options. Yeah. I think it's like, and then, like, a lot of them are really leaning into this idea that, like, he's putting geishas as like trying to fight to be loved by a man like pitting women against each other because of the uh sayuri and yeah yeah and uh pumpkin or whatever pumpkin exactly like that like i'm like okay fine but what i truly found as like a case is digging more into like geishas and what they are mean and they it is sexualized like the sexual nature of being a geisha, who knows the true like thing that's happening behind doors, but like the purpose of a geisha is like of a historical and like cultural nature. It's not sexual at all. So I think like the lines were blurred because there is a red light district where like women would like powder their faces and like do the sexual stuff. And then there's geishas who are more there to entertain with their uh, musicianship, singing, playing instruments. And, yeah. Like, just you know being a work of art yeah yeah. (laughs) so i i think that the lines were a little blurred in this movie and i don't know and i can't speak to the the book yeah i'm uh, I'm really curious because i i from my like instincts 
something tells me that like yeah that's what geisha meant on paper but mm-hmm. there probably was some everything that we like always like sell to the public is always, is always never as nice as, right. as what's going i mean it's always nicer than what's going on in real life mm-hmm. so i could feel like they could be like well that's the image we want to put out as a nation that like our geishas are about art and culture and class but i could i would mm-hmm. guess if i was a betting man that there was probably some it was a mix between the two of Hmm. A little bit like less nice sexual stuff. Um, well, and there are geishas today. Like, you know, there's still oh, like really? women training to be geishas. And like, I think from the documentaries that are out there of those geishas, like that part isn't there at all. So like maybe in the back in the day, yes, what you're saying is true. But like, I don't know. Oh, this especially. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was saying, especially like this time. Like I before mm-hmm. seeing this movie, I know you didn't ask me a question yet, but I I assumed it was going to take place in like older history. Yeah. I didn't realize it was going to be in the 20, 20th century. So I just felt like we were at a time where history was like changing, mm-hmm. and you know we're in where we just had one world war. We're having a second one, and like traditions are still there for sure. But I feel like. Like, if this took place in, like, 1805, then I'd be like, yes, I believe it was less about sex and more about, like, appearance. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. We were a bunch of goddamn monsters in the early 20th, 20th century. Like, yeah. you know, fucking... Like, I'm saying, when it came to, like, warfare, the narrative that was sold was that, like, to the Japanese were like, our soldiers are very spiritual, strong. We have we have ancient history on our side. Like, we... You know, nothing can shake us. We're 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 noble. Like like you guys are the animals. We're the ones who you know are this and that. But then in reality, they were eating prisoners of war. Yikes. You know what I mean? So it's like what you're selling is uh, one thing versus what's actually happening. Right. So that's why I'm just like, yeah, I'm sure on paper the the geisha was just like, oh no no, there's nothing. This is only about you know like right. pure essence of beauty. But I was like, I bet they were fucking geishas. Mm. You know, like like I don't know if it was. And I'm not trying to sing about Japan only. I, I meant like you know right. we were doing the same thing in Chile. We were raping and killing them. Like you know like it's it's insane. So it's um, so that's my only thing of like I'd be like I don't know. I felt like I felt like this movie was like a little too nice almost. I'm like <laughs> a lot of these men are really good men. Right. And I don't know if I would buy that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like even the ones who are kind of shitty like are still like not. They still like a line that the movie doesn't cross. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I was one thing I was like, hmm, I wonder if this was rated R, if this would have been a little more like, not effective, but necessarily, but just yeah. like, like just harsh, like, like, cause the beginning when she's getting lashed and whipped and all that shit, I was I like, know. this is hardcore for 13 year olds. I really find that rating interesting because like, I think a lot of movies do want to get that PG 13 rating to get a younger audiences in, but I also simultaneously don't think younger audiences at that time would have been interested in this so like i feel like you might as well go for yeah the I, I think they were just hoping that like parents would bring like their kids their maybe, kids you know like, like 15 year olds like oh let's all watch this together yeah but it is funny because like especially nowadays with youtube and everything's so blurred like ratings don't really matter anymore right. like like you're like like Netflix puts ratings on it, but it doesn't really matter like every like you know you you know like cobra kai yeah cobra kai is very much you know it's a show for teenagers at the end of the day but they say fuck and they do stuff that you wouldn't normally put on a show if it was like if cw made cobra kai it wouldn't right. be like that so it's like it's just funny where like yeah nowadays i feel like we would go a little bit darker on mm-hmm. this story yeah without being so worried about who can see it and who can't you know <laughs> oh my favorite critique was this is as authentic as a cheeseburger teriyaki <laughs> <laughs> all right that's <laughs> <laughs> I was like, right. that's pretty that's hilarious pretty good. that's pretty good see that that i'm down to, i'm down to criticize it for that but, yeah. but that other one about like the the sex stuff yeah I was just yeah, like, yeah you're putting a 2005 lens on a 1921 <laughs> s- 
story you know oh my god um you were starting to dig into it but like what what was your what's your history with memoirs uh almost nothing uh, i mean i 100 know the name you know i was 15 in 2005 i was you know yeah. very aware of pop culture and what was going on it was everywhere i just never even like you know i 15 year old me was not gonna see this movie like yeah. you know i was watching kung fu man like that's all you know like, <laughs> like i just wasn't i was just, there's nothing about this so, that, that would have spoken to me i mean age, you so i just skipped it like, you watched crouching tiger so like oh, yeah. the actresses weren't enough to like bring you over no they weren't fighting oh true yeah yeah like, <laughs> even crouching tiger like at, at that age like i was 10 when i first saw it i didn't understand it at all i oh, just yeah. loved the fighting like i was just like they're gonna fight every 20 minutes so i'll just wait till they're done talking and then someone else is gonna fight I'll just wait and then uh, and then as i got older i watched it i was like oh there's a pretty good story in here too it's not just fighting <laughs> and, uh, love it yeah, did you remember they made a sequel to Crouching Tiger? Did they? Netflix made it in 2016. Oh, none of the same cast, obviously. Michelle Yeoh might have been in it, but uh, I was just like, I forgot. That came and went. Like, I remember yeah. it came out, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch that. And then now it's been six years, and I'm like... Yikes. But anyway, yeah, like, I don't have much to say other than that. I just, like, legit skipped it. I truly never knew anyone who ever saw it. I mean, it was, I was friends with 15-year-old boys at the time. Like, nobody. I didn't have any peers who was like, oh, geisha. Truly never thought about it until... I listened to the podcast, The Pete and Sebastian Show, which I love. <laughs> and Pete, the comedian, he loves this book and he loves this movie. But for some reason, he always refers to it as a geisha. <laughs> and it's just a running joke on the podcast where he's like, oh, it's just like the geisha's life. Like, And he knows so much about it. He's read the book. He's seen the movie. It's one of his favorites, but he just can't say it correctly. Oh, and that's boy. the only reason I know Memoirs of a Geisha. Yep. And one of the reasons why I remembered I love this movie and wanted to bring it <laughs> on the cast. um but yeah how about you i'm curious about your history because i don't have any oh yeah i mean my mom was lured in by the oh like it's the two ladies from crouching tiger let's go so like i popped on along with her um in 2005 and watched it in theaters your mom being into this movie oh yeah for sure and you know i think it's a combination of you know this movie is very like the geishas are valued for their art and their like delicateness but also like for their virginity yeah (laughs) in this movie so and that was a huge part of like my upbringing like that being valued so i feel like this was her way of being like see like (laughs) once you once they take it from you you're you're a piece of crap you know like (laughs) so make sure you sell it for the most money possible (laughs) exactly still waiting for that check by the way right uh yeah um and then also uh i think japan japan and japanese culture like i i grew up with a lot of um like japanese people in my life uh-huh. uh like here in new york and so i think that too like my mom was and we talked about interested it before, in but the you culture took japanese in high school. I, I took japanese in high school um and yeah i i think also like long sagas were like very interesting to us like it was right after Lord of the Rings. Right after Lord of the Rings, yeah. Um, and then, you know, like, I love a love story, too. So, like, as creepy and, like, like a humongous age age gap as this is, oh, like, it those. was sweet at the those. end. That's why I was, like, I was curious. You told me a bunch of criticisms, and there was not the one thing that I wanted to bring <laughs> up. And I'm like, wait till later. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I, I just loved, I think, the, the culture of it all. And I... I I think we've talked about this on the podcast, how I love a montage. And I think like that whole becoming a geisha portion of this movie does tend to be my favorite. Like the, 
the her overcoming and like learning all the skills and all of that yeah and, the like, fan techniques and all that exactly yeah, like yeah. that admittedly is my favorite part of the movie nice um especially her coming from like such a poor background yeah what i loved about digging in um for this podcast was just like learn digging in a little bit more into the geisha's past or like the geisha's history and like learning japanese traditions um you know I, I i watched this one program that was like there used to be like 300 geishas to a house now there's 20 in yeah, like 2010 yeah. or whatever and it's just like really cool and i'm like now i want to go to japan and like buy like a geisha for a night you know <laughs> like i want to like be entertained by a geisha you know like why not that's I'd just like love to be a part of that. Like after years of watching this movie over and over again, <laughs> not by a geisha. I know, you know just, what I mean. I was thinking of like modern day of like what entertained by a geisha means. Like, what the <laughs> hell are they gonna do? <laughs> no, they play the music. They still play those instruments. Yeah. Yeah, and like even learning more about like subtle like facts about other parts of Japanese culture. Like there's this. I don't know if it's a term or just like a term they used to to speak to these women, but like apparently like. The word ohaguru means like blackened teeth. Uh-huh. And so married women to to deflect like men um, like getting interested in them or like hooking up or like trying to like hit on yeah. them would blacken their teeth. Ew. So they like looked ugly Ew. to the outside world. Wow. I was like, whoa. Like, so I just like wanted to dig in, <laughs> you know. That's wild. I don't want to read the book, but I did like some like mini dive into like the differences between the book and the movie, which I'll like sprinkle in during our conversation. Nice. Um, but are you ready to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. I believe I've been calling her Sayuri, but the main character of this movie does start out the movie with the name Chiyo. Yeah. Uh, as a little girl in this fisherman village. And right off the bat, the first difference between the book and the movie is that there's more story in the fisherman village like in the movie it just like breezes over it yeah <laughs> it, took, it wasn't until 20 minutes and i even knew what happened like my first note was is this a kidnapping or is this like supposed to be happening like right. i didn't know yeah it wasn't like do the parents want the kids away or are they getting stolen from them you know like, yeah. i didn't know i guess because it just starts right in the rainstorm with the crying kids yeah but also i mean because of how much the movie has to cover i do understand yeah not showing that but it just it does make me think like knowing how much parents love their kids what gets you to the point where i mean i know in this movie the mother's sick and about to die so the dad's like might as well cuz they're just going to die here with me anyway yeah. but like how often were parents selling their kids uh, to geisha houses I, you know like yeah. do you just have kids then to sell them like I for guess. money yeah, i like, don't know is she pretty enough get her out <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it is a tragic like story between like her and her sister getting separated yeah yeah and i was surprised i thought it was gonna be a little more hollywoody where like there's gonna be a lot more sister stuff mm-hmm. i didn't realize that she was gonna be deaded real quick yeah know? yeah yeah because as they as they get separated from the geisha house because the sister's not deemed as as uh, good looking enough you know to potentially be a geisha right which is weird because they're like four <laughs> i know <laughs> she's, like, she's not pretty enough yeah and, and then sends her to the red light district at that age yeah that's jesus insane. christ yeah. but yeah i i don't want to go through because this movie is so long so i kind of want to like Yo, make sure we <laughs> side note though so yes it is a long movie but i'm gonna give it a, i'm gonna give it some applause i'm gonna give some fucking flowers for being justified in its length 
I don't mind because I'm always shitting on long movies. Uh huh. But I don't mind two hours plus when you have a story that is this long. Mm. Like when you're trying to like, I get it's hard to to put someone's whole life, a character's whole life, in a movie. So you go two hours twenty five. You make an epic. I understand why Lord of the Rings is long. What I don't understand is why every fucking time I go to the movies now, a movie about a boy with a spider hand <laughs> is fucking two hours and 40 goddamn minutes. <laughs> and then Matrix 4, which is the boringest thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life, is like longer than any other Matrix movie. <laughs> and I'm just like, what are we doing? Yeah, I just why? Like everything is two hours 20 now. And that's insane. It yeah. used to be like, you had to really justify it back in the day. And now it's like, I can't watch, I, I, I go to, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll watch Kong vs. Godzilla. And I see that it's like fucking Godfather length. I'm like, no, yeah. that's the Godfather. They earned it. Like, I fucking hate how long movies are these days. Yeah. Like, even, like, I saw Scream and I was like, it's good, but I was like, it's too long. Like, this, this is, <laughs> Scream is a 95-minute franchise. You're in, you're out. Yeah. Halloween Kills is the longest Halloween. It was like 2.11. Like, oh, jeez. That's crazy. And I like these movies. I'm just like. Yo, we've been going for years. If if they take out all of the evil dies tonight lines, oh, I yeah. wonder if that'll be like 30 minutes <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> Cut it down. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. But I just, I don't know what, this, I don't know if it's because they need to make it feel different than TV or what, like, what the justification is behind the scenes, but like everything yeah. is too fucking long. <laughs> and I'm looking at you superheroes mostly. Mm. You guys are insane with these run dates. Yeah. Avengers, sure. It's 36 characters. If you're not doing Avengers, Ant-Man should not be close to three hours. <laughs> All right. Got him. Continue. So anyway, that's my way of saying <laughs> I don't care if this movie's long because they had a lot of story to tell. Yeah, and they're not repeating anything. Exactly. Like, you're like, learning yeah. something new in There's every scene. There's not three montages of her becoming a gay show. You're just <laughs> like, really? Another one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, Chio gets sold to this geisha house. Um, she meets this girl there named Pumpkin who's around her age and yeah. she's kind of like showing her the ropes of like how to survive in this house. You know, you're kind of a slave to the house yeah. at this point. When I first watched this movie, I walked in expecting like the owner of the geisha house to be like super evil. But in reality, she just wants her money. Like, yeah. <laughs> she's, like she's like, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, uh, like, like I want return on my investment. Which is <laughs> why she lets uh, the 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 mean girl like be mean because she's earning right. money you know yeah like, yeah you know, also real quick i i think we've secretly uncovered your favorite genre movie which is little girl has to go live in a weird house <laughs> because you love this you love annie you love the little princess like oh, any movie man. where a little girl gets taken away from her family and then raised in a house oh. is your favorite genre of movie awkward what does that say about <laughs> I don't me know. <laughs> like you were just watching annie like two weeks ago you showed me the little princess like it's all your <laughs> Matilda's like she's trying to find a new home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. All right. But I don't know that right at the start. I was like, Jesus, Masha yeah. loves these movies. <laughs> but I gotta say, like, when you see Hatsumomo for the first time, like she is gorgeous and it's just like so sad how mean she is as a person. Yeah. Though she is what what the movie establishes early on is like a geisha is not living for herself. Yeah. Like if she wants her own life, her own thoughts to find love on her own, like that's impossible. Like that's not the life of a geisha. So early on, we do see like Katsumomo sort of bending these rules because she does have like a, a cutie, cutie guy that she likes on the side. A cutie guy. <laughs> and you know, like that she's technically illegally sleeping with. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, right off the top, like even as soon as she sees Chio, she's 
threatened by her beauty as a child because of her blue eyes yeah yeah um it makes her unique yeah they, so they, they have heard, they heard all that hitler talk and they were like people love blue eyes <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta get this going <laughs> overall though it is a really interesting story where like the ideas of geisha of like especially the the like the mother of the geisha house and then like uh they call like auntie and what's the they just call like auntie and granny or whatever yeah it's like, like your family you know yeah but it's like it's like it's very interesting that like to see women find a way to like support themselves and earn status in society mm. when like normally that's like impossible other than like marry into like that like like unless like your husband or whatever is super wealthy and high status then you are too right. but like it was really interesting for like 1920 whatever to see like a house of like eight nine women who like aren't like living in fear or like you know just like like have some sort of agency that's so and true. like you know yes they don't work the geishas themselves serve the house but like the house is its own kind of like independent machine that is also housing and keeping these women like you know like it's it's interesting it's like yeah. I, I thought that was like a cool thing to explore because it was a time in history when like you couldn't like your only way out was with a man which is kind of what this movie is about too but still right <laughs> <laughs> which i understand the criticism but um I that's know. hilarious it was just the overall idea it was interesting to me speaking of men i mean I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the chairman and you know Chio meets him as oh yeah i kind of want to wait till the till we're in like spoilers like at the very end to talk okay. about what my thoughts were all right cool um about that <laughs> but i will say like the her encounter with the chairman one it's a very nice encounter he buys her some ice f- some flavored ice and gives her hope for her future but also Tre- it's treats f- her like a kid like you know yeah. not like a, a working <laughs> servant exactly and it comes after you know meets her sister at the red light district mm-hmm. they decide to try and escape and then Chio falls off the roof, ends up getting caught. <laughs> you were like, oof. <laughs> yeah. She falls off the roof, gets caught, and then we like never see the sister again. So that's yeah. what I meant by like, I thought this whole movie was just going to be like, every five years, her sister's like, we have to get you out, you know, yeah. until they're happily ever after. And I was like, oh, that's cold as fuck. Yeah. I mean, and also I feel like real. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Way more real. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's why this moment of getting the ice and everything was so like big for her. Because yeah. she's just had like her lowest. Like she was like, oh, I'll never escape. Like I'm, I'm all alone now. For sure. Yeah. Um, and this is where she sees geishas for the first time, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, she's seen Hatsumomo, but she's not really seen, like... In action. She's yeah. seen her, like, get ready and shit. Yeah. So I think it's it sucks for Chio because at this point, I think she does want to become a geisha, but that kind of gets ruined for her because of Hatsumomo. Yeah, Hatsumomo basically sabotages her by getting her to dist- she she fucks up a kimono of a rival geisha and then tells yeah. her to go deliver it but like sets her up to fail like she's like totally. don't get caught but there's no way you could not get caught in this yeah but even that like she yeah, she basically like terrorizes chio to being like her servant like yeah. in the thing for um, sure and yeah. i i freaking love this because you know hatsumomo sort of holds her hostage by like being the one to give the location of where her sister is at first yeah but when chio is being beaten by the house mother for like destroying this kimono chio gives up the fact that like hatsumomo made her do it yeah and from that point (laughs) this is this is this scene has always stuck out to me in my head like even as a kid i think because I was just, this is like transformative years, like puberty years, yeah, yeah. but like Hatsumomo had just been sleeping with the dude uh-huh. 
And so the house mother, like, Chio's like, oh, I just saw a man come out of Hatsumomo's place. Yeah, yeah. And the mother just sticks her hand in her vagina. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> That's what I forgot about. <laughs> Jesus. That's what I was like. Fuck, I forgot all about that. <laughs> Sorry, viewers, listeners, whatever. We had to wait a week in between recording this. So we had a very busy week. So it's been a while. But Jesus fucking Christ. That's where I was like, how on earth do you call that PG-13? Yeah. Because oh. normally sex is the first like you're allowed to have violence galore but if you even have like a whiff of a vagina like it's like i was like shocked like i was like that's crazy for r-rated let alone for i know for PG-13. i mean you don't see it but like you know what's going on it shows you enough it shows you enough <laughs> i was shocked at that uh, <laughs> and yeah. you were too you were like jeez i i completely forgot i was just like holy shit yeah that's that's wild i can't yeah. believe they got it. they let him get away with that the result of the scene is that the house mother ends up locking the gate so no one can come in or out without her knowledge. Yep. So in a sense, both of them, Hatsumomo and Chio, are trapped, right? Like Hatsumomo no longer has this love and Chio can't go out and find her sister. Yeah. And like any chance that those two could have been like friends right. out the goddamn window. Out Not the window. that it probably wouldn't have happened, but like eh, it's completely gone now. <laughs> Where was your head at when um this woman michelle yo comes in the picture the like the the one who ends up training yeah yeah chio i didn't re- at first i didn't really understand her reasoning like i didn't get like the lot like she she talked kind of fast in that one scene where she was like i want to do this and this and this and i'm gonna take her off your hands and double the value yeah um but so it did kind of confuse me at first but then i understood and then i realized that like it was a pretty interesting kind of like this geisha world of like mind games of like she hated Hatsumomo so she's gonna take her rival and make her better than her and then end up you know like yeah. like it was cool once I once I realized how it was gonna like how it was playing out like the next hour into the movie yeah. I dug it but I was a little confused right off the bat where I was like I don't get what the plan is here <laughs> or why she wants to even do this it'll it is a little hard to follow but I do love like the subtle like clapbacks you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. they're so like polite with it it's so nice to watch. <laughs> but yeah, they, I mean, we get a classic becoming a geisha montage. Yeah, these, which, are, these are your favorites. Oh, uh, the best. The fans um, are hilarious. <laughs> the what? The fans are hilarious. Oh, you like the fans? Yeah, they're just a funny one. Like. <laughs> All right. If we go to Japan and we, I don't know, what do you call it? Rent a geisha? Like, what I, do know, you... I don't know, but it doesn't sound right. You got to stop <laughs> saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know how to say it. What do you think? I'm going to look up a Re- website. Request a geisha. Request a, let's just say that. That sounds nice. A mid-tier geisha is anywhere from 1700 to 2600 for a two to three USD? hour performance. USD? Yeah. Oh, that's too expensive. Yeah, it's a human being. I know, but like it's like... <laughs> it's a, that's a lot. Okay, never mind. This is we'll this this for the third. high end. This isn't for like... A backpacker, like oh, I I wanna I wanna like a, a high quality experience. I don't want a cheap. That's what I'm saying. Like that's yeah. why I, I don't know why you're shocked. It costs a lot of money. Like oh. this is like this is the shit that they do to like entertain nobles from other countries. Like, right. Not for fucking chumps. Like we'll we'll save up and then do uh, that. Probably not. <laughs> Sounds like a waste of money. Um, I'm sure what? Some on YouTube right now. <laughs> In and out. You sound like my mom. <laughs> We got geishas at home. Like, you sound like Sebastian's dad. <laughs> we got geishas at home. What do you want? You want geishas? I'll put geishas on TV. Afterwards, you mow my lawn. <laughs> what? My dad, can we get a dog? Dog, yeah. Two houses down. I got a dog. <laughs> you want to pet an animal? You walk two houses down. 
You pet their dog and then you come back here and cut my lawn. What? What lawn? Why? The, what does the lawn have to do with a puppy? What are you talking about? What I loved about this is I think at this point she we can start calling her Sayuti. Yeah, she changed the name. Yeah. That's a geisha name. She's like a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> That's like her, her Hulk Hogan. What I love learning about this Geisha montage scene is that Mama hit uh, the actresses that play uh, Sayuri and Mameha. They only had six weeks to prepare f- for a lifetime of lessons, yeah, like of yeah. a Geisha. So like, I think for Sayuri, the actress who played Sayuri, it was a little easier because like she was acting like she was learning how to yeah, do it. Yeah, but you have to be sure to be Michelle yeah. to be a professional. Exactly. Like yeah. that is. Like walking, kneeling, how to pour tea. So they had, they had, like, were there proper geishas on set teaching the actors? Like, what was going they on? They went to school. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, all of those, like, techniques are real, too. Like, the rice under the head rest. Yeah, for like, the, for so sleeping. Their hair doesn't mess up. Yeah, because apparently, like, it took a long time. Like, they were putting wax in hair to, like, make it stay still. And so, like, if you fell like or mess up your hair, you'd have to go back. And it was a very painful experience. I think I saw one clip that was like geishas. A lot of them would have like bald spots because of all the combing and stuff. Like, yeah, this it was by, like can I just say too, like I don't find any of this kind of stuff attractive. <laughs> like like geishas in general. Like mm. I just like once I see that much like work and like fragility into something, that's just so un sexy to me like i don't think it's about being sexy though or like attract like, i just don't see like the beauty all i see is like cakey makeup and like oh interesting like bad pores and bald spots like that's the only things i could think of is like <laughs> what do you do like your to body's supposed to just like live that. like you know what i mean like, i see what you're saying it's, and I, that translates to like all oh, like the overly makeup like you know sometimes yeah. when you see like models and like they just have like a shine on their skin and mm-hmm. i'm just like that looks like looks gross like to me that looks like future acne like i don't know yeah like just because you look good right now it doesn't it doesn't say anything so oh, I'll... so you think i'm pretty Sorry. <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway uh, uh well that was actually one of the criticisms that this movie got because there should have been like a lot more white on the face yeah yeah and they really like toned it down for these geishas yeah and it was already it was pretty white. Yeah. <laughs> it was like decently white. But yeah, like that's just weird looking. Like what the hell what's like a pale looking mannequin? Like I don't know. It's not for me. <laughs> so Mameha at this point, like she Sayuri's climbing up the ranks. Like she's being asked to like accompany all these people, including the chairman and his business partner. Nobu. Nobu. Um this this war hero who has like a scar on his face and one uh, difference between the book and the movie is that Nobu in the book also is missing like half an arm. Oh. Like he's like a little more ugly, I guess, yeah. <laughs> than they portray him in this that movie. That would make more sense because they were trying to go for the whole thing where like, he was insecure, but like he basically got like one scar. Yeah. I was, like, got, got, and it was like a war scar. Like, it's, you know, like, you, <laughs> could, you could play that off as cool. But yeah, if he was like deformed, that would be, a, that would make it make more, more sense. Yeah. Yeah, so so Sayuri's so, so going all over town, bumps to Hatsumomo along the way, um, and Hatsumomo is actually adopted Pumpkin yep. um, to be like her like up and coming geisha, and they're both basically like competing to make either Pumpkin or Sayuri the next head of the geisha home. Yeah, because if like I guess that's how geisha homes work, where it's like the mother adopts the next person in li- the next girl in line who's gonna yeah. run it, and like it's. It basically becomes a war where it's like if Pumpkin gets picked, then Hatsumomo will 
kind of like run the place because right. that's her girl versus if uh yeah. Sayuri 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 gets it then it's going to be Mama Heya <laughs> oh Mama Heya Mama Heya uh sure Mama Heya Yeah Mama Heya There we go What I love about I this movie that. though is like as much as like there's so much story going on but they do such a good job and I think you said this already like creating the world around it Yeah like from the town it just feels lived in yeah. like even though there's not that many characters it doesn't you know sometimes you watch it and you're like yo there's three sets and i can tell <laughs> like this is like every time they turn a corner i'm like dude that's like three days of setup yeah and the extras like, in yeah, the background yeah. like people are going places i love it they're transporting um even like going to the sumo wrestling match like yeah. those are real sumo wrestlers exactly. yeah, like yeah, yeah. They're just like specs like you could just hop on to somebody else and like follow them and they'll probably have their own storyline and own struggle. Like, yeah, yeah. It's so freaking cool. Yeah, that's why I like when you when you listed the three Oscars, I was like, oh, I fully agree. Like that's the three things I was going to praise this movie at, at first for. Was yeah. Like, how it looks, how it like the sweeping, how it shot and all that shit. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I forgot about the, the wet pussy thing. <laughs> Like, that was when I was like, what? Yeah. PG-13? Like- <laughs> well, another, and maybe this isn't rated R, but, like, what Mama He pulls at the Mama Hea, Mama Mamea, yeah. what she pulls at the doctor's office to, like, get her interested, to get him interested in Sayuri. Remind me again. He, she basically forces her to cut her leg. Oh, snap. I actually didn't understand this at all. Oh, really? So I, yeah, that's I'm, I lost my notes, but in my one of my notes was like, ask Masha about the leg cutting thing. Okay. So what happened there? So basically, she made her get a cut like very close, like a part of the body that a man wouldn't normally see on yeah, a like geisha. Yeah, thigh. Yeah, to get him interested in potentially bidding on her down in the future. I, I don't understand. Like, I need more than that. What is that? How would that get her interested? Get the doctor interested in the geisha. This doctor is touching the thigh of a very Got young, okay, up-and-coming okay, geisha. Okay, And I he's like, it. ooh. I get it, I get it. <laughs> okay, so that's who Dr. Crab was or whatever? Yes. All right, I, had a lot t- I was reading, reading the plot, and I was like, who the fuck is Dr. Crab? <laughs> like, I was like, I don't remember that guy at all. What a name, too. Like, uh, it's already unattractive. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. mm. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and that was to help with the bidding war. Yes. That makes more sense. I thought it was going to be something way more, like, intricate that was going to, like, snowball into, like, hurting the other house somehow like i was oh, just like no. i was like what is that what on earth could that do you know like <laughs> no no it was all to get him interested and it, it worked and it, just a broad like this whole section of the movie that's like a just a broad idea it was it is interesting too because it's like my we could call her michelle michelle yo like michelle yo clearly has intentions that are good for her good for sayuri and like good for the house, you mm-hmm. know, like like she has like a very intricate plan here that is actually going to pay off like really well. Right. But at the same time, from Sayuri's perspective, like she only wants to be with the chairman, so she doesn't know if she can trust her because she was like, you know, like it might be the best in, right. in quotations, but it's not like what I actually want. And I thought I found that like interesting, where it wasn't like here's a bad guy and here's a good guy. It's it was more like no, no, they both want what they think is best. They mm-hmm. just have different understandings of what that is. Yeah. And so I thought that was like really interesting. Oh, for sure. 
Because um, I, I kind of like that, uh, what's her name, Hatsumomo, like, almost kind of disappears. Like, I like that they didn't, like, make her, like, a cartoony villain for the rest of the movie. So it's a little more nuanced as opposed to, like, a major, like, a super villain that made it to the end of the movie and was like, I'm gonna stop you, Geisha. <laughs> Absolutely, you know? yeah. What I found interesting is that, like, that, that whole ceremony of, like, taking someone's virginity um it's called mizuage yeah um it was an actual practice that wasn't outlawed out that wasn't outlawed until 1956 (laughs) jesus christ it ended up being like an anti-prostitution law but like i don't it it seemed like the mizuage tradition wasn't really tied to being like being a geisha it's just like a whole separate so like any tradition. girl could be part of that tradition with their virginity? Like the Mizuage, yeah. Oh, weird. Because to me it seems like, because I don't really know shit about the real geishas, I'm just going by what this movie was telling me, but from my understanding of the movie, it seemed like once you go to geisha school, like, because like, Michelle Yeoh is like, oh, I sold my virginity like to this guy. like So mm-hmm. I thought it was like something like every geisha does. I thought it was like the passage to become no, a geisha. No, in this movie and in this world, yes. Yeah, like, like virgins aren't geishas. You're only a geisha until you sell it. Exactly. Then... And then you're the geisha to that guy. Right. The way she was to the baron? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I get confused of who's who. Yeah. Okay. But so, but that's not true in real life? Yeah. Oh, Correct. Um, I think it, I think it gave some stakes to the movie. I'll, it, I'll, I'll give it to him. It did. And the let's talk about this baron for a second. I mean, I feel for Michelle Yeoh's character. The fact that she could be so nice. Yeah. And so caring, having a baron that... Essentially, like from what he does to Sayuri, definitely like took her Mizuage in a terrible way. Oh, by force, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure exactly why he stopped with when it came to Sayuri. Like, mm-hmm. like he gets like he gets real far and then doesn't actually do anything. But right. like, I didn't. I was like, I wonder why. I didn't really know. I wonder if it's like a respect thing. Like, even though what he did was not respectful yeah. at all, but like, well, now that I know it's not a true story. Part of me thinks I'm wondering if that's just like some PG-13 shit where like, mm. you know, like they just like, you can't, you can't have a rape in there. Because at first I was like, oh, this is a true story. So that must have been how it just happened in real life. And maybe he had a like a, an actual like subtle change of heart in real life. Right. But now that I know these are all fictional characters, I'm like, did they just not make it a rape so it's not R-rated? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just didn't really see anything in his character of why he would just stop at that moment. Like he already right. had her so far undressed. Uh-huh. And like she was had been, oh, she had already been crying, so it's not like the crying stopped them, you know. Yeah, like, I freaking hate that scene. Yeah, it was, um, and it, what made it, and obviously this is on purpose because they're freaking smart, but like there's so many layers on her that like the intent has to be there, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's so it many freaking so layers. To, to take all that shit off. Yeah, and like you do need two people to put it back together. So logistically speaking, I'm not really even sure how she left. <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> was this after before hatsumomo starts telling everyone she lost her virginity was this was this the reason she tells everybody that yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yes and then what sort of saves sayuri's reputation is this this sort of dance scene yeah where um michelle yo's character makes her the star of the show <laughs> this scene was criticized a lot um i think someone said like oh so it was basically people like from Japan being like they turned this this dance into like a stage like a like an LA strip show like it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't classy yeah it wasn't classy at all uh, which I found really interesting because from the featurettes I saw it seemed like they did the research but again like 
who knows? Who knows? <laughs> it's the internet. This could be like one dude being like, yeah. this is wrong. You know, like. <laughs> like a strip show? I don't uh, think so. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I just had to, this is a part where I had to like just give in to the idea of their culture being different where I was like, I don't really understand how being the the star of the big dance show negates people thinking that you got fucked by this guy. Like, I just didn't really like, like, I got it that that's what the, happens in the movie, but I didn't, I was like, maybe, maybe it's so prestigious to be in this show that. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I went with it, but I didn't really understand. It. Yeah, I think it I was just like so from there. so captivating and like beautiful that like even if she did like I still want her kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I wonder like how in this world how much it seems like it's very subtle. So probably no one knew who was bidding and who was high or not. But like the reason why Michelle Yeoh's character learns that Sayuri didn't lie about her virginity being taken is because the Baron ends up being the big, the highest bidder. Yeah. And why would he bid if he On, already had it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I wonder how much in this world that spread. So maybe that also like helps. That's true. That's true. I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, her plan works. I mean, they're bidding, they're bidding left and right yeah. for, this, for this, this lady. Dr. Crab. I just <laughs> wish they changed the name. Like, like the, I feel yeah. like it. <laughs> now that this isn't true, like, what are you guys doing? Like, change it. Like everyone else has like, like real names, <laughs> like you like, know what I mean. <laughs> I I don't even think that it's a Japanese. Like they don't say crab. It would be yeah. like crabu. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's such a weird. <laughs> and honestly, all I can picture is like a Doctor Zoidberg from Futurama because he's a doctor who is also a crab. So all I picture is just ah Zoidberg. <laughs> <laughs> They should have just named him Dr. Zoidberg. Yo, but as soon as she loses her Mizuage, like, Hatsumomo goes nuts. Like, oh, yeah. It ends up being the highest bidding war of, like, history. Yeah, because we didn't, we didn't mention it, but when, when Michelle Yeoh, like, basically takes Sayuri, she says, like, look, if you let me train her to be a geisha, mm-hmm. I will get more money than anyone's ever gotten for her like double or like i'll yeah. get double whatever you think she's worth and then that's that was like her deal where, like yeah. if i can get her up to that price value she's mine yeah you know so like and then yeah now she did it yeah you know? and then you know she gets adopted by the house so like now the money's technically belongs to the house yeah hatsumomo goes crazy goes through all of sayuri's stuff and finds the chairman's handkerchief she's fucking drunk as a skunk too. <laughs> I just really think that Gong Li deserves to be in much more. Like yeah. the actress who plays Hatsumomo. Like now that I know that she can't speak English or understand <laughs> what she's saying, that's crazy. <laughs> I know. Like, that's insane. And she's so freaking gorgeous. Like, I don't yeah. understand why. Like, maybe in China she's like in a lot more stuff. She can still play Azula as far as that. Actually, I don't know what she looks like. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> no, she could totally play Azula. All she needs is like a haircut. Yeah, that's true. And uh, yo, when when and then the fire starts from their fight, and I'm like, immediately I was like, that's why you can't make everything out of paper, man. Uh, you can't have your whole house, the doors, uh, the floors, <laughs> the fucking like, like everything's paper, like <laughs> either wood or paper. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, how could you do any like? And they're in an era where like everyone's smoking cigarettes and shit. Like it's not like the, like mom, the mom is smoking cigarettes yeah. every scene. Like this is in 1801. Yeah, like you motherfuckers are using like matches and shit inside. And like, the houses are so freaking close together. <laughs> I know. Like, all it takes is fucking mother to fall asleep with a cigarette in her mouth, and all of a sudden it's over. Jeez Louise. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Hatsumomo goes nuts, like, burning the whole place down. And she knows what she did, so she kind of disappears after that point. But I, I want to hear, because after this, this whole world shifts, like, literally. 
So I want to hear your thoughts here. The 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 World War Two twist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, it was interesting because I also I don't know if they ever t- flat out told us the year, so I actually wasn't sure roughly where we were in history. I could kind of tell by the modern looking cigarettes that it was the 20th century because mm. like right off the bat, I I didn't know. Like when we first started this, I like I assumed it was gonna be feudal Japan. Like I thought it was gonna be like ages ago. Yeah. And then so then when I saw the the mom smoking like a like what looked like a like a cigarette like a filter like a modern cigarette, I was like, oh okay, this is not 1801. Like mm. this is a different time. Man, I wouldn't even think that, but that's not so really. smart. Yeah. 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 Them kind of introducing the World War Two stuff was interesting to me because it's a whole other dynamic to the story that we weren't even touching. It kind of placed it in the world in a certain time, and then it also just reminded me of like. This world of geishas and, and virginities and ceremonies are so important to them. But, like, right outside of these walls is, like, the biggest war that's ever been fought in the world. Yeah. And then Japan is a, plays a huge role in that war. So it's like, like, we're, we're second. I don't know. Of course, they're in Nagasaki. All of a sudden, I start thinking about the bomb, you know? Right. And I'm like, are these people going to get killed by the fucking H-bomb? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? So, like, it really just kind of, like, did that. And then, like I mentioned earlier, I am currently reading Flyboys, so like I'm very inundated in World War II and Japan and all this stuff. So it's like it, it was cool for me because I was just like, oh, now I can grasp what's going <laughs> on. Like, like I know what the soldiers are doing three islands over. You right. Know? <laughs> I think that when I watched this movie for the for, for the first time, it just totally took me out because, like you, like I was so immersed in their world. That I I think this shift one I was so surprised to see white people again like it was yeah, just yeah. like such like a throwback like oh snap that's right but also like it made it more real to me like their world yeah yeah you know um just putting it into perspective too and then also at the same time made it be like you know all this stuff is not really a big deal because <laughs> there's like a larger thing happening. <laughs> Yep. Like all this like drama between Hatsumomo and Sayuri, like you guys could die tomorrow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I thought it was a, it was a cool, especially for a movie this long, it was a nice way to like introduce something new pretty far into the movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I know you're in the middle of this book that you're reading. So like from how I know you haven't finished it yet, but when you're seeing this sort of like Japan American relations that we sort of touch on here, because remember at this point, the chairman and uh, Nobu, their businesses has been destroyed Yeah, by bombings, obviously. But they're trying to, like, get these Americans to back the rebuilding of their... Bi- like, how does that... How did that, like, sort of touch you knowing what you've been reading? It is, it's actually hard for me to put my head around it because from the book I'm reading, it's a very different... Because it's about war and, like, uh, the, the, the feelings of soldiers on both sides we're very much victims to like propaganda where like the stories we were feeding on our side was just like the japanese are monsters they're doing this they're 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 invading china they're raping them they're eating them they're, they're we got to go over there they, they want to stop our freedom right. and then on the other side it was just like oh these white devils are are the they're, they're going to take over the earth they're going to kill us all we have to stop them. you know so it's like it was actually interesting on this to see it like a two business people who aren't on the war side like trying to work together to basically make their money because from what i'm reading it's more just like everyone's so ingrained to see the other person as an inhuman monster who deserves to die immediately mm-hmm. that like i actually i don't have much comparisons here because I'm, I'm only reading it from the war perspective not from the business perspective yeah and it was actually kind of cool because you forget because i'm only reading about the war stuff so i was like oh my god like like, how did any Japanese people do anything? You know, this and that in America and, and vice versa. But 
uh, yeah, you know, there yeah. are not everything is the war. So it's for it's sure. I mean, you have like Japanese, you know, women entertaining the soldiers in this in this movie. Well, yeah, you I mean, see, they like, kind like, of like bring the geishas out of retirement for this, yeah. right? Like, Ooh, well, I wouldn't call them geishas. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but I'm like, but they were geishas. Like I'm saying, like he's getting the women who were geishas to come. I actually don't think they were geishas ever. I think they were taking on like the general like look of a geisha to entertain these Americans. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm, I was more talking about the like recruiting Sayuri. And, oh and, yes, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, they take her. The mom, oh yes, mom, yes, yes. Right? yes. Mameha. Not Mameha. Mameha. Yeah, Mameha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, they do take them out of retirement um, for this business deal and for this conversation. Yeah, yeah I didn't mean geishas in general. I mean, oh, yeah, too yeah, many yeah. Characters. Because there is a moment. I thought because there is a moment in the film where Sayuri is looking at these women entertaining and like pretending to be geishas. Yep. So it's kind of like really, you know, <laughs> like after well, all she's been yeah, through. Yeah, and then we also learn like that's where Pumpkin ended up. Yeah, where she's basically a prostitute now. For sure, but she's kind of like using some of the stuff she learned, you know, like to like, like you just said, to kind of like a bastardized version of the geisha. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Oh, pumpkin. Pumpkin. Ooh. I mean, I feel like we should just go right into the to the spoilers so we could wrap like the story up here because I feel like a few, few quick things, like a few things, final things happen here, and then yeah, it's kind yeah. Let's do it. All right. I thought. That Nobu and the chairman put Sayuri in a very like weird situation because they didn't provide a lot of context. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, we're not asking you to sleep with this guy. Which but I was same- like, I was like bullshit. <laughs> like I guess you know, like I was like, what the fuck are you asking for then? But at the same time, you can clearly see him trying to like hit on her. Oh, actually, no, I was like bullshit because I was like, even if that's your intentions, I don't think any motherfucker told her that guy. Right. Like, like, like that dude is just like, oh, sweet, looks like hot. 19 year old Asian girls coming yeah. up, you know, like, or however, I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but oh, gee. yeah, that was just setting her up to fail. And then you're gonna be mad at her on top of it, yeah, yeah. And then plus, like, you know, like, and then you're probably so into closing this deal that if he starts like hitting her, you're probably not even gonna say anything, you know, you're, you're just like, yeah, that was, mm. yeah, that was that was a rough one. I always felt bad for Nobu, but then when it always gets to this part, I'm like, yeah, I don't like you, yeah, <laughs> you know. <yeah. laughs> Like if you truly loved her, I don't think you would put her in that yeah position. It was interesting too, though, because like when you first meet Nobu, you assume he's gonna be like the next villain, like you know, like because he's mm-hmm. like this like scarred guy who she's not into, and then he's like, uh oh, he's gonna take a liking to her, and it's gonna turn dangerous. Yeah. But then it was cool that it was like the the other guy, it was the Baron, not him. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was a little subtlety. Yeah, for sure. So. Sayuri is constantly trying to get closer to the chairman, even at this point in the movie, knowing that the Nobu is basically like saying that he wants to be her baron from this point on. Uh She kind of wants to sabotage this and tries to get Pumpkin to help her do this by like, I, first of all, she wants to sleep with the colonel. She doesn't want to sleep with her. Well, she wants to like, look like she's about to sleep with the colonel, get caught by Nobu. Exactly. So Nobu thinks she's a slut and doesn't wasn't in love with her anymore terrible plan yeah (laughs) first of all everyone talks to everybody so it's like she's gonna tell the chairman you know what i mean yeah the timing is awful she like who knows when pumpkin's gonna come back (laughs) seriously you rushed and then you're like wait you know like all your clothes are off it's just awful yeah (laughs) awful plan and then pumpkin sabotages her yeah because she's jealous about you know because she kind of didn't ruin her life or anything but like you know she kind of came in and took the life she thought she was gonna have right uh i don't know that this was justified i think i know i don't think it's justified i think yeah but i think she's mad like you know totally and she i mean it's kind of messed up because like you think that they've 
but well, it's interesting because like we've we we haven't seen Pumpkin for that long. Like we've she's been off camera growing longer than we've known her as a character. That's so true. like there was probably years of Hatsumomo turning her into herself, like mm. turning her into a younger version of her. You know, like so it's like we probably thought it was like we're like oh it's still the same sweet Pumpkin she knew when she was little. And meanwhile, it's like no, there's been like ten years of her getting That's manipulated so into becoming like the next Hatsumomo. Yeah, you know. So I thought that was like. Because, yeah, she thought, like, oh, I could trust her. It's my friend Pumpkin. Meanwhile, it's like, no, nah, you can't. That's great character development. Yeah. So I guess the deal went through anyway. <laughs> I guess. Wait, what? With the with the Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess we don't even find out what happens there. Oh, uh, it's so funny. But, yeah, that, that betrayal, I remember being, like, in the theater, like, oh, her friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it kind of, like, wraps up after this. Pretty much. Uh, there's this, I think, the most Hollywood scene in the entire movie where it's like in this like japanese cherry blossom like garden or whatever yeah. and it's just sayuri and the chairman and what you realize is that the chairman's actually the one who is the reason why sayuri became a geisha in the first place he tapped mame mameha to like train her yeah so like from our perspective it was like we thought it was like she saw him and had like this sheer will like i need to become a geisha and then things started to like work out but like he was kind of pulling some strings behind the scenes. Yeah. And that's where I was like, it's the, the age difference is one thing, but like, this is just like a tale of grooming at the end of the day. Like, uh, if this was in 2022, this guy would be in like Crystalia jail. Like, he basically is like an, an influencer who found a 12 year old on Instagram and then was like, she's going to be fucking hot. <laughs> I'm going to fucking talk to her until she's 18. <laughs> like, it's like, that's where I was like, whoa, this is like. Well, we, the thing that we put people in jail for nowadays, yeah. like, and I get it, it's supposed to be romantic in this time and place where she's like, oh, he reciprocated my love. But it's like, yeah, he was like a 31 year old man yeah. who eyed an eight year old and was like, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure I fuck her when she's 20. I, I always <laughs> found this weird because I, being as naive as I was, always thought it was like more of like a father figure love. Uh-huh. So when they kiss at the end, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, no. I think I figured it out. I was like, yeah, no, she's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, they never say the ages in the movie but in the book like he meets her when she's nine and he's 45 whoa 45 <laughs> so i'm like i thought i thought he's gonna be like 24 no. like you know like it's still crazy it's still insane like eight and 24 is unacceptable but <laughs> 40 so he was like 60 whatever it's a 36 year age guy. wait how old is she at the end of this goddamn movie i mean i don't know they don't say in the movie yeah 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 but like oh sorry 36 year age yeah but thought you meant uh he she's 36 at the oh, end oh no no and no i was no, like no. whoa is he 91 <laughs> no fuck? no no sorry no there's a 36 year age gap between them yeah 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 so it's but that's hilarious i could so see you as a little kid like not just being so naive that you just think like oh and then he's gonna raise her <laughs> yeah like oh and she has a home <laughs> like ooh, she has a home <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, she's going to be making little chair babies. Yeah, I mean, in the book, <laughs> they end up moving to New York City. She opens her own tea house, and they have kids. Like, she, he, the chairman becomes her... What would have we been saying? It's Donna. That's that's the name of, like, the guy who, like, yeah. becomes, like, I guess basically the financial supporter of a geisha. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they... We end, haven't really talked... We, we more were just talking about the guy who takes the virginity, oh, but it's the same guy. Yeah, yeah, the like, Baron. You, yeah. you become the Dana after you... Gazooka, <laughs> I like that you say Dana. I don't know. I, I already... My, my computer died, so now I don't have the terms in front of me anymore. <laughs> so now I tried to remember the it's, other word. It's what, just Dana. What is it? Mazugi? What is the other word? The, uh, the, the Mazuage. Ceremony? Mazuage, yeah. Yeah. 
The vo- Japanese is so freaking pretty. It is. It's more of like a like a conclusive happy ending where this one is just like, eh, you get the kiss and you're out of there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I don't need them moving to New York. And shit. Yeah. I mean, we have been there for like three hours I at know. this point. So, <laughs> Strap that gavel up, B. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was more just the grooming thing. And I was like, it's so funny because like we like, <laughs> we will like, you, I don't think you go to jail, but like your whole career will be over if people find you doing shit like that today. And like, it's like the romantic like twist of this movie. Yeah. yeah. It, it is kind of weird now. They're like, oh, yeah, like I'll get her into me now and she'll want to like dedicate her life to me. And yeah, like that this... would almost because like in her eyes, she thought it was like, oh, I saw something I wanted. I fought for it. and I got it. But then now she was like, oh, like I had no age. I had no choice over any of this. Mm-hmm. Like, like every part of my life has been controlled by someone else. Is this some sort of like weird? Now I'm looking at it like this weird fantasy that Arthur might have had. Like, Maybe. what is this? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. She's like one day I'll fucking. Chinese eight-year-old when she's uh, 20. <laughs> I don't know because like... <laughs> All 20-year-olds were eight once. This is a very popular <laughs> book, so I'd be interested to hear like someone who's read the book, their opinion on yeah. like that portion well, of the story. It's a very popular book and uh, five 12-year-olds all have sex at the same time. Oh, like, you know, like weird shit just happens like, in books. Like what does, <laughs> what does Mrs. Soprano find <laughs> inspiring about reading memoirs of a geisha? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And for those of you, sorry, that's kind of random, but like We're, we watched Memoirs of a Geisha, the movie, and then watched an episode of The Sopranos. Not just the whole. So we're in the middle of season two, and there's a whole running thing is throughout all the time. Carmela's reading Memoirs <laughs> of a Geisha. I have like my, my ideas. I, I just feel like she probably just feels like a geisha in the terms of like she has no control over her life, mm. and she's very pretty on the outside. Like like you look at her life. She has a big house. She has a nice family. She always has makeup and nice clothes on. But, like, deep down, she has no agency at all. Mm. And she's just, like, a trophy for all these other people to, like, pass around. That's why I think she's reading Memoirs of a Geisha. Because, and then... She relates to yeah, that. Yeah, you know, and it's just, I know this is weirdly dated. It was about the second season of a show. It's been out for 30 years. <laughs> no spoilers. But, um, yeah, no emailing of spoilers. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and then, like, we just saw in the episode, we just saw she, like, decided to go on vacation with her friend without Tony. And, like, clearly she's never done something like that. Yeah. So, like, I think she's getting, like, some inspiration from the Geisha story. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Damn. All right. So, want to do some Beyond the Credits? Let's move it. So, I think the Baron and Sayudi. What's her name? Sayudi? Sayudi. So, I think the Baron and Sayudi moved to New York and started <laughs> a tea shop. God damn it. Why did I give that away? <laughs> That's um, I didn't really have much beyond the credits. Like, I feel like it, like, put a little bow on it. You know what I mean? Like... I'm glad they got out of Japan before the bomb dropped. You know, I don't know where they were living, so <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It is I hope, crazy. I hope, I hope they left Japan before the bomb dropped, but after the internment camps. So they didn't come to America and just get immediately put in a camp. Because mm. we, we put all the Japanese in camps after Pearl Harbor. Mm. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what year that happened. I freaking hate war. <laughs> yeah, I I guess beyond the credits for me, I would just... I wonder if it's like Hollywood would deem it like a not as interesting story to tell, but I would love like, what if someone made a book out of the actual Geisha's book? You know what I mean? Well, was the idea... Because I, I, I assumed the idea was that like she goes on to write these memoirs. Like mm-hmm. the character. Yes. Because he says at the end, like the narration we're hearing about the movie, I assume that was her reading the book that she wrote later in life. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the real life geisha that sued Arthur. Oh, sorry. Okay. Never yeah. Mind. Go on. Sorry. I, I I, the- no, I'm saying like, I wonder what it would 
it would probably be a less interesting movie, but I would love to like see like the real story, yeah. like her real story. I mean, I would almost rather just read it because it's hard. Even if yeah, the, even if true. the source material is good, if a bad filmmaker makes it, we won't get a good. You know, that's very true. Yeah. And I didn't realize I had it in my notes down here. Modern day geishas, um, their pay is 165 USD for two hours. So I guess I was looking at lower tier geishas. Yeah, my thing said it was mid to high tier when the number I saw. Oh. Yo, did you know that they're... Now they have wigs these days. They don't do like the wax stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. like much easier. They don't want to be bald at 31. Right. <laughs> Yo, their wigs weigh from anywhere from 4 to 11 pounds. Fuck that. <laughs> That's like a danger mouse hat. No, not danger. It's like a dead mouse hat. Dead, danger <laughs> mouse. Danger. He's a producer. He doesn't wear a hat. Uh, <laughs> I didn't make that up. Yo, but like. <laughs> he doesn't wear. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I, I guess I don't really have much beyond. Um, yeah, it kind of like wrapped it up nicely. I mean, it wasn't really. Yeah. I mean, unless like there's a weird sequel where Hatsumomo comes out of a uh, for revenge. Right, or like her <laughs> sister like survived. I don't know. Like, I don't even want to dig into that. Like, yeah, I feel like I need. St- sequel story would be lame mm-hmm. it would either be like her finding her sister or like you know it just seems like un- yeah. unrealistic unless it's like a like a mameha story like a young mameha like yeah. a prequel yeah Ooh, starting the house yeah or or the mother whatever her name was mm-hmm. starting the house yeah yo there is no way that the mother of the geisha house and the older lady survived that long no <laughs> what are they doing <laughs> Jesus, she was old, yeah. like by the time that the war like was on. For real. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I was really excited to show you this. Well, first I was very scared because I was like, "Oh, he's definitely gonna fall asleep." <laughs> <laughs> we did watch it in two settings. <laughs> so I was scared, and then I was like, "Man, this is really long." Um, but then I was like, really excited because of the book you're reading now. And knowing that there's like that World War Two aspect of it, like I thought that that would pique your interest, yeah, and maybe give you like a different perspective of like how to view this film. So I was really excited to see you uh, watch, have you watch this, and potentially love it. I feel like we kicked off the year with this like watching movies based on a book trend, like with Matilda, Whoa. with um, Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's Nest. Nest. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I might Keep as it well, going. Keep yeah. It going. Oh shit, should that be my next one? Uh. <laughs> Uh, so I kind of wanted to keep that going, but I I do think like this movie does not feel like this movie like puts you in the world. We we've, we've been talking about it this whole time, and it's just like so beautiful and so unique. And I think that like from the music to the costume to de- design to the acting, like I just think it's like a full story and a full saga. Like it really lives up to its title, Memoirs of a Geisha. Yeah. And I, I really think that you would appreciate the, like, true, like, I think it's, like, honestly, really cinematic, like, masterpiece. So, um, I'm hoping that you 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 love it. So, I, I guess I, that's my only question. Andy-san, watashi ga sukina mono ga siku desu ka? I love it. So this is a tough one for me to answer. Oh, um, you got to answer in Japanese. Oh, no, I'm just oh, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Arigato. One <laughs> word I know. <laughs> um, I'm definitely having a hard time on this one because it it wasn't it wasn't very clear right off the bat being like I love it or I hate it. Definitely impressed by all the things I mentioned earlier, where I think it's 
It looks beautiful. I think they went crazy hard on the costume design, the production value. Like, this just felt big. And I just think I'm missing big, you know, these days. And I was just like, oh, this is great. Like, this is like... They actually spent three months building this before they <laughs> filmed it as opposed to like, eh, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. Um, really respect that. I did like the nuances in the story at certain times like it wasn't just as simple when it first started off and she was just and she meets the chairman as a kid and then she was like i have to become a geisha so he will love me i was like all right but like i don't know it's this that, that's that's not a lot for two and a half hours you know and then i, I but i like that they were able to add some twists and turns even though it did end in a very like cliche hollywood way and we are talking about the grooming stuff so i think overall i want to say i'm i definitely like it a, like a good amount like i like it a lot i just think and there's nothing I don't like about like, it. that one thing where I was like, that sucked. I think it's just the, when you add up just everything from like, it, it sucks because it's not really fair because I think this was the best they could do in 2005. It's just the, the speaking of the English, the, the trimming down of certain things. Like I would almost, if this was like a 10 episode series made today in Japanese, I almost feel like this would be such a good story. And I feel like there's a really good story in there, and I liked a lot of it. I just think the limitations of a movie made in 2005 cuts it down from being, for me, like, loving it. Mm. Like, it's like, and it sucks, because it's not really the movie. I think they did as great as they could for the time. I just feel like we weren't, as Americans, open to this kind of story yet. So we had to put recognizable actors even even though they were not the they were chinese we had to make the whole thing in english even though it was really the english thing and then the fact that there was american speak english speaking characters later that really i was just like yeah well now they the, kind of switched the, the waters are so muddied now where like <laughs> i don't know what they're speaking like i don't know what's happening and it like took it just took me a step out yeah um so i would say it's a I, I like it i actually like it a lot like i think it's it's pretty damn 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 good i just don't know if love is gonna come into play here and uh, sorry about that, Masha, but that's no. just that's just how I feel. It's all right. Like I just I can't see myself like running to show someone else this immediately to be like, you guys haven't seen Geisha? Like check it out. Like you mm. know, it's more like check it out. Then maybe read the book. Would you know? Like I don't know. It's like, but I haven't read the book either, so I don't really. <laughs> Um, all right I, I guess i'll take that wow. i was hoping that i would also get you because like i think this is the most like this movie is different from any other movie i've ever showed you this on is this one podcast. of the more adult movies that you've yeah. picked for this podcast so, <laughs> yeah i was like ooh, maybe i'll get yeah him. it's not it's, it's not <laughs> <laughs> it's a little it's a little worse nuanced than like harriet the spy or big fat liar yeah <laughs> harriet the spy was nuanced <laughs> that's true that's true, that's true um but yeah no i i I get where you're coming from and i accept your i accept your answer (laughs) all right now you have the whole outro memorized in japanese right yep (laughs) arigato (laughs) that's our show (laughs) i'm i'm speaking english but it's actually japanese like the movie yeah we actually we filmed this whole we recorded this whole podcast in japan and uh this is japanese you guys Oh, well, that's our show. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have the time, take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Andy. I'm Masha, and I hope you love what I love. If I were to come out, I would say memoirs of a gay... Parentheses ma. This is the worst joke ever.
<laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Was it with Gary Marshall? <laughs> <laughs>